Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Canuck Podcast. So glad that you joined us here on another fantastic day that the Lord has made. Welcome to all our listeners from across Canada, the United States, or wherever you listen to this podcast in our fine universal church. So glad you joined us. Well, what is the Catholic Church like? Well, let's start with a quote. The Catholic Church is like a thick steak, a glass of red wine, and a good cigar, end quote, from one of the greatest British exports of all time, Mr. G.K. Chesterton. Maybe one day he'll be a saint, who knows, but uh, either way, he lived uh, nearly and, and died nearly 100 years ago, similar to the great venerable Archbishop Sheen, uh, another gentleman with uh, fantastic words of wisdom and wit, but uh, also an example of holiness that's applicable today, uh, just as applicable today as it was even when he was alive. Well, in this episode, we're going to do something a little bit unique. We're going to be having a triangle table, if you will, between uh, myself and two other gentlemen that you already are familiar with because they've been guests on the Catholic Canuck podcast in the past, Dennis Kivlahan and Robert LeBlanc. And the two of them team up to have one of my favorite podcasts, the Pints and Pews podcast. They're both based out of the Toronto area and uh, always have a, a lot of great insights and a lot of great stories and commentary. I uh, highly recommend that you follow that podcast as well. And I uh, always love the name too, Pints and Pews. I always think of a nice, cool beverage on a hot summer day in Canada, which we don't have a lot of. So when we do have those days, we want to take advantage for sure. And also the Pews part, we need to get more pew people in the Pews as quickly as possible, getting people to live life in a state of grace. And uh, so I'm really excited to do this. A couple of listeners actually suggested to me that it might be a good idea to have a round table of some sort with several guests. And uh, I thought that was a great idea. And I can't think of uh, two finer gentlemen and my brothers in Christ, our brothers in Christ, Dennis and Robert, to do that. So it's going to be a joint podcast. They're also going to be releasing uh, this interview and uh, conversation on their podcast as well through their platform. And we have a great chat about, well, vacations, because, uh, hey, our vacation season, again, is very short in Canada if you want to enjoy some nice warm weather, unless you want to go to a different country in the wintertime. But uh, we also talk about uh, the upcoming papal visit to Canada. As we record this, it's uh, the beginning of July. Towards the end of this month, Pope Francis is coming for a visit to Canada, specifically to Alberta and Quebec as well, as a part of the Truth and Reconciliation outreach to our First Nations communities in Canada. So we invite you uh, anywhere across Canada, but also around the world to pray for this visit and uh, pray for the um, that, uh, yeah, this process goes well. There's uh, a lot of forces working against the church and against reconciliation and against our brothers and sisters in Christ in the First Nations community. So uh, as ever, as you see around the world, the spiritual warfare is uh, is raging on and the onus really is on Catholics and all people of goodwill to get your spiritual weapons out. And that's a daily life of prayer, reading the scriptures, specifically for Catholics, praying the rosary every day, wearing your sacramentals, wearing scapular, blessed metal, having holy water around you all the time, making the sign of the cross in public when you have to as well. Hey, don't be afraid to bless your food when you're at a restaurant, being an example of Jesus Christ. It is so important. So it's a great time to be doing that right now throughout the summer. We need more good examples. So please join our team, join Team Jesus, and continue to pray for us in Canada and pray for Pope Francis's health as well. Uh, he is 85 years old and, uh, you know, he's uh, he's had a few bouts of issues with his knees and and some other things happening too. So I definitely want to pray for his health physically and spiritually and uh, so that we can uh, have this uh, this meeting here in Canada and uh, hopefully some good fruits will be coming from it. I know there will be good fruits. Let's just offer it up to Our Lady. She will take care of it. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Dennis and Robert. Real excited to share it with you and we'll see you on the other side of this chat, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now, now and forever. forever. Yes, this is the first time anybody's ever responded when I say that. So that's really great. Uh, very excited to to do what I guess we're calling this a joint podcast with uh, Dennis Killahan and Robert LeBlanc. You've heard them on uh, the Catholic Canuck podcast, and they were even uh, kind enough to let me be on their show. Well, how long ago was that? Guy? That was last summer, right? I mean, it it, it like was last summer. Yeah, it was last summer, David. I was, you're starting to introduce the show. I was going to say, here we are back on the Pints and Pews with a great friend of the show, David Scubin of the Catholic Canucks. So, um, oh. I, like you said, a roundtable, this is going to be odd because we're used to hosting, so guiding the questions, or I'm used to rambling. And uh, it, it's 
have a three-way conversation. I'm going to have to uh, put my ego in my back pocket here. We're stretching ourselves here a little bit, guys. But you great know what? On, it's Dave, great. Yeah. It's the it's the uh, the combination of two uh, blessed podcasts that uh, the Lord has uh, tasked us to do. And uh, hey, sometimes we don't always know what we're doing, but the Holy Spirit gets in there and He kind of helps us out, right? That's the way I look at it. So guides us uh, along. Yeah, that's absolutely. right. And I think but, there's a couple important dates too. We've we've got, got to uh, mention as well, David. Um, a belated Happy Canada Day to all our listeners. Robert's mm. birthday was yesterday, July third, and and our listeners to the south, uh, Independence Day, right? Happy Fourth to our American Happy listeners. Happy Fourth of well. July. That's, That's right. right. Happy Fourth yeah, of yeah. July. And I, I think we would be remiss. We are recording this on the Fourth of July, and Happy Fourth of July. But we'd be a bit remiss. Uh, you know, also keep in our prayers. Uh, those in Chicago because they were out to celebrate. This is the the first year in a couple of years that we've been able to celebrate our national holidays. Uh, and there was a shooting at the Fourth of July parade in the no. Chicago area. Is that right, hey? uh, just yeah. just saw that come through on saw the news. Yeah. Um, so we, we pray for all those involved there. Uh, yeah, like the last I saw, there were six who had been killed and twenty four wounded. So, oh my um, goodness. May, may our Lord send a, a spirit of strength and healing and courage to all those that are there, and as well as the first responders. Yeah, well, on, why don't we you're pray. supposed to celebrate. Why don't we pray in one of those, uh, the eternal rest prayer? That'd be probably fitting right now. I just heard about this. So uh, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, let perpetual light shine upon them. May these and all souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, that's, uh, and I invite our listeners to remember them too. Um, and I hope that, you know, that, you know, everything's so politicized now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just hope mm-hmm. people can focus on the victims. And, uh, and uh, as Catholics, uh, especially for us, we need to pray for these folks that met a very untimely and, and violent end. But remember that their souls are still very much alive, very much exist. And uh, that is uh, that is our our job, our responsibility as Catholics to make sure the world knows that there is hope. That uh, especially for their friends and family, that they're going to see them again. Yeah, that's right important now. to remember, David. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and really, on our end, that's about all that we can do is pray yes. and pray for those that are 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 there. Like I said, the first responders, and like you said, David, mm-hmm. for the the souls of those who have come to an untimely earthly end. And as well for for the people who love them. Uh, And really, as Catholics, we need to put our partisanship in our back pocket at this point and kind of be the the hands and face of God in these moments. And we continue to pray as well for the victims in Ukraine, which that ongoing war still continues to this day, six months later, I believe. So we continue to remember them in our prayers as well. I think Pope Francis has mentioned that he'd like to go and visit. That's right. uh, We saw that today. And Russia, which would be uh, a real blessing if if that could happen. And hopefully his health continues that he's able. I know he's going to be coming to Canada shortly, right? In a couple of weeks. He's going to be coming to Edmonton. Yeah. That's right. Yes, of course. Not too far from yourself. We were picked. Yes, we weren't picked, but you guys, you were picked (laughs) in the the West. You're you're very blessed with that. Very blessed with that. We are going to talk about Pope Francis in a little bit. But I didn't know about the beers. You didn't see, we didn't know if it was a joint broadcast from Catholic Attack, who doesn't usually have a beer. And then it was Pints and Pews. So I did have a beer, but I I think you guys guys have got a little bit. Well, no beers that you know of, at least, right? Uh, Well, I've just got one of the most popular beers in the world, unfortunately. (laughs) Unlike yourselves, who've probably got a couple. Uh, rarer finds let's say well i'll tell you what some of the some of the guests that have been on my podcast i'm sure they wish they had a beer while they were talking to me but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, it makes the conversation flow a little bit more doesn't it and, and before we got started here david you were holding your can up for us to read and as dennis yes. said I, I got another year older yesterday and i was trying to adjust my trifocals there as you oh, held boy. it up to the screen to try to read yep. that so why don't you let us know what you're drinking today i will i will and it's uh, another uh beer from Wild Rose Country from Alberta. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I keep going to Southern Alberta, and I love uh, all our folks in Calgary. We have a healthy rivalry between our sports teams, between Calgary and Edmonton, but uh, sure. they've got some uh, very good breweries down there. And uh, this one is from Origin. They're out of Strathmore, Alberta. So Strathmore is uh, about a half hour right down uh, the Trans-Canada Highway east of Calgary. It's a lovely uh, town. 
mostly a kind of an agriculture town, but there's uh, energy, oil and gas there as well. But they've got a great brewery called Origin. And uh, Origin, uh, they not only do they brew the beer, but they're also, they do the malting portion as well. So they've got kind of a few different uh, angles that they that they use there. So a great little brewery. I know the, uh, one of the guys that works there quite well. He's a great guy. So this is a, a seasonal brew called the Mexican Lager. It's got a little bit of uh, hmm. a hint of uh, citrus in it, I believe. At least that's what I taste. I'm trying to trust my taste buds. <laughs> but it's very cool, crisp. It's perfect on a summer day. So I thought, you know what? We're in July. We don't get a lot of hot days, especially here in Alberta. So I thought this is uh, this is hot, the choice for today. It's hot for Edmonton today, is it, uh, yeah, it is. David? Yeah, 20 degrees. Yeah. That's pretty hot for Edmonton. I was going to say for, yeah. for the, the three days above zero that you get there in that's Edmonton. Right. Yeah. That's right. And that's how why, much alcohol? That's why we're so much field. better at hockey than the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. We get more ice and, and just you, you get You get more hockey on time. Weather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially this year, right? So. And so that's what I've got, alcohol? guys. Four percent, five percent. This 6%. one is five. One of Robert's seven percent. Five point seven. That's what I see here. Five point seven. Okay. I think you might have the strongest beer on the table there today, wow, Robert. David, as I'm drinking from the Henderson Brewing Company, uh, a lagered blonde uh, that comes in at four point eight percent alcohol on <laughs> there. So I, I don't know if you can consider that a light beer or not. No. Uh, but it's it's getting pretty close, and it's got the nice little uh, VW. Uh, van on the front. Yeah, oh, lovely. Had that and once, it, Henderson. Yeah, where's that, Robert? Is that it's close at, by? out of out of Toronto? Okay. And I've I've never had it before, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, again, a lot, the lagered blondes are usually nice and crisp. Uh, we're a little bit warmer here in southern Ontario. I think we we hit about 25 or 27 today. Uh, it hasn't been extremely hot the last few days, which has been. Mm-hmm. Been nice. It's not too humid today. We did have a few humid yeah, days, that's, that's for sure, in the last couple yeah, days. You guys get some real humid days right off the oh, lakes there, right? Yeah. Stinking hot. That's why everybody's got a swimming pool there. Well, you don't realize that. Like, there's like, for a myself. lot of people have swimming pools. Except for that. But you can always Of course, go, Robert has one. You can always get those little pools, you know, just like, you know, a Just a little waiting pool. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. One of those, just fill it with your, uh, the garden hose and, and off know, you go. sit in there. I Actually, don't know, you're in, I don't know. <laughs> or just put the sprinkler on like we did as kids. That was always good fun. <laughs> there you go. And then I have a, a Guinness here with my with my matching glass from from the Guinness factory. The glass is from the Guinness factory in Dublin. The beer isn't. The beer is the beer is actually light. I didn't realize that. Like Guinness stout is four point two percent. So although it's a heavy, full bodied stout, it's like it's a actually sandwich. Al- alcohol content. Yeah, it is like a sandwich. Alcohol <laughs> content. It's not very heavy. <laughs> nice. Now you were uh, you were showing off that glass there before we got started. Mr. I was, Kibberhand. yeah. So you you got you you were able to get a glass at the Guinness factory and get it get your name etched on the outside of the glass. It took about a half an hour, so you waited around and waited in the gift shop, and then they brought the glass out to you. So I rarely use it, so I, I'm using it now because we're with the Catholic Canuck, but I'm just so afraid of. <laughs> smashing ones <laughs> and i'll never have it again like for a because... great story though yeah yeah i guess it was like, yeah. well i did get a mug once when we went to the lourdes in uh in paris uh, we went on a school trip there about 15 years ago and i was outside talking to my wife and she was leaving somewhere so i just accidentally i just put the mug on top of the car and she backed Ooh. out of the driveway, and of course, I lost that mug, and I, I, I can't seem to find a mug with the Mona Lisa on it. Was there beer in it, or was it empty? No, it was just coffee in it. But oh, it was coffee. Oh, <laughs> it's it was, gone. Okay. Yeah, got it, got it. Because you know what happens when you spill beer, right? I mean, that's around for everybody. <laughs> our I didn't Balti, know that. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's a Star Baltian that invented that rule, but I think that's, uh, I, I like think that. that's accepted in many circles that if you spill beer. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, sometimes you drink it too fast, it kind of dribbles right. down your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to pay for I it. I just thought it was the hole-in-one, which was around for everybody, which myself and Robert have, we have no fear of getting in the no. <laughs> in the near future at all. But that's <laughs> hole, a nice hole, head hole in 20. Doesn't that look like it came from a bar there or something, gentlemen? That, that, that looks pour. nice. Huh? Yeah, that's that a nice pour. really nice. One of these days, so you must I'm be... going to be posting videos and we can show that. So yeah, maybe... I don't think you can mess up a pour with, with a little widget in the can, but... I'll, ta- oh, right. I'll take the congratulations anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't doing it from a tap or anything. Okay. Gentlemen. So what so, is on the. Well, we need to say our blessing. Gra- you guys are going to bless Grace before beer. Yeah. Oh, grace before just, beer so that so we can have here. our first sip here. Oh. Um, and, you know, Dennis has said grace before beer the last couple of uh, episodes. And we had a uh, uh, brewmaster monk as well. Mm-hmm. So I haven't said grace before beer in over a month. No, ago. you haven't. 
And it, oh. it took him a year, uh, David, but he finally allowed me to say grace before. And I didn't do That's a bad right. job. I listened Correct to that Robert? podcast. He, he nailed it Oh, did it you? Too. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, Cheers gentlemen. To health and happiness. Health and happiness. And a good summer. Right. How's the beer, gentlemen? Well, I was really glad that I remembered Brilliant. I should probably be bringing a brew because I think the only other thing I had in my fridge was a Michelob Ultra. I, I know that I got. Ooh, I caught. That yeah, I is caught so some, popular nowadays. I caught some shade from you guys last time I mentioned. I can't I drink that. that. Yeah, it's pretty light. There's not many carbs either. So that way, that's why people drink it, right? Often. Yep. Right. It's a light alcohol, but it's not super light. But it's just lighting calories. So a lot of people yeah. are going to the Michelob Ultras. So this this Lockhart Blonde, I think, has a few uh, a few carbs in it. It's uh, a nice full bodied beer. Actually, that looks like you, it's non-filtered, Robert. Is that is that filtered? It looks dirty, like a dirty blonde there. It can does you? look like that. Yeah. It doesn't say anything on the can. Okay. I have to look at the can a little bit more. But it's uh, for a lagered blonde, it has quite a bit of taste to it, which is actually very nice. Hmm. But sometimes you get the lagered blondes and they're, uh, they're cool and they're crisp, but they're not as full flavored. So this Good is going to be nice. Good one. I should have poured, but so. I'm so clumsy. I probably, if I put it in a glass, guys, I'd probably spill it. So I'm keeping and then you'd have to buy around. I was, I was going to say, I have around. no problem with that. That's free beer for Dennis and I, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't That's have right. to explain my Guinness stout. Everybody's tried one. It's it's just so good. Very nice. So you guys, what are you guys doing here this summer? You guys are you guys are teachers here, right? So so it's it. Uh, are you just kind of like decommissioning now? Just kind of kind of letting the air out and just relaxing here. Uh, or what, we're yeah, actually what, what's the secret life of teachers well well bear's got a, probably a billion things on the go but myself and my wife are taking our first vacation together in 25 years david without kids so oh, wow. i'm looking forward to that we're going to anguilla which is in hmm. off the coast of saint martin in the caribbean and then we're renting a cottage you know cottage is our big here so we're going to rent a cottage in august for a week as well and then just you know, family things around that time. Robert, what about yourself? Yeah. Well, uh, before I get into that, Dennis, I think that trip to Anguilla, it's to uh, celebrate a bit of a milestone in your your life, Dennis, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Isn't it for, for your wedding anniversary. Correct? Well, I think next year. Yeah. So we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate it a little bit earlier. But next year. Yeah, we're planning to maybe do um, do a cruise, a Viking cruise for our 25th. So Ooh. please, God, oh, okay. you know, everything. If the COVID doesn't come up again and now they're talking more COVID and I, I don't know if COVID ever ends, but I, we just got to get on with our lives and go places and thank God we're able to and stuff. Right. I agree. So, yeah. It's, hey, it's David, time. Like, it is long it's time, time. You know, we got to get, we got to move on. It's got to live. Yeah. We got to live. And uh, where's the Viking cruise go? Is that going to, are we talking about the Scandinavian countries? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Well, no, this, it, there is Scandinavian cruises, but it goes through like uh, Berlin. It'll go through Germany, Budapest, different, you can different Ooh, ports nice. of the, the Rhine and the Danube and stuff like that. So you could pick seven different, like seven or eight different stops along the way. So somebody said to us, you'll be the youngest couple on that, uh, on the Viking cruise. I thought, great. I'll make <laughs> and knowing your fun. age, Dennis, that says a lot right there. So <laughs> fantastic. But a yeah. lot of great churches to visit along, along the way there too. No beautiful beautiful yeah. Gothic cathedrals. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be so good, but and I some, mean, nobody wants to plan that far ahead, but yeah, definitely. So years as well. Yeah. And so yeah, week's time kind of decompressing on, on my end yesterday was kind of the first day because we finished last week but it's the first few days of the holidays were just a lot on the go so run 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 and then got to yesterday sunday and didn't have anything planned and i just i didn't know what to do with myself so it always takes a couple of days to to kind of decompress there um and yet we've got some stuff on the go the big thing in our life this summer is we're hosting a young lady from belgium uh, beginning of August. So um, from when I was going to school there, um, my buddy, his daughter is only a few days older than my son. And she wants to learn English and, and perfect her English. So she's coming for a couple of weeks at the beginning of August. And so we're going to do a lot of day trips around southern Ontario, get to the nation's capital into Ottawa, mm. and then probably from there a day trip into into Montreal. 
and so part of that, and I was looking at it today, and one of the day trips we want to do uh, with her is to go up to St. Marie among the Hurons and Martyr Shrine. And David, I don't know if you've ever heard of maybe Martyr Shrine uh, up in Midland, which is uh, a big church that's built to the memory of the Canadian martyrs. Mm-hmm. I have heard of it, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right across the street from it, St. Marie among the Hurons, is they've rebuilt on the foundations of the original site, the original Jesuit mission that was mm-hmm. there. Right. Yeah, it's and, done really well. And these were the missionaries that uh, that were martyred, uh, bringing the gospel to uh, to our was land. It, was it First the, Nations, was the yeah. First Nations communities? Right. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, and you know, a lot of people forget that there's such beautiful churches, and they're, they're old because the church that's where it began. It was Eastern Canada, right at the mm-hmm. time. Right. And things that kind of slowly moved out our way, but there's some beautiful architecture. A lot of real European, uh, you know, I guess uh, inspired. Uh, architecture there that you'd probably see uh, places in Europe, you'd probably see in Quebec and, and even places in Ontario too, which would be really neat, I think. Some beautiful churches in Quebec mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but even the main cathedrals, like you say here in, in southern Ontario, eastern Ontario, mm-hmm. uh, our cathedral, St. Michael's in Toronto, is absolutely beautiful. Right. Uh, and I always like to point out on Dennis's behalf that the foundations for our cathedral in Toronto were dug by hand by Irish immigrants. That's right. pretty and impressive, just, eh? Just after just the, the famine, right? Yeah. Well made. Yeah, the the, the yeah. love of the faith that goes into that. But yeah. also in Ottawa. So again, St. Patrick's Basilica in Ottawa, absolutely beautiful church. It's the oldest English language church in Ottawa. And the cathedral as well in Ottawa, Notre Dame. Mm. Absolutely gorgeous. But it's it's kind of amazing that we're talking about this today, July 4th. It's actually the feast of St. Anthony Daniel who was one of the the, the Jesuit missionaries who was martyred Mm -hmm. on this date. Um, I would say not too far from here. It's about an hour and a half drive north, uh, the site of his martyrdom. It's a great reminder Mm -hmm. that uh, we had such missionary zeal uh, in Canada, right? And then the faith came to Canada from people that were so on fire for their faith. And uh, let's face it, uh, this was a wild place. It still is a wild place, but Mm -hmm. back then, even more so, you know, even uh, settling in Ontario, Quebec, and then coming out to Western Canada, the prairies, uh, not for the faith of heart. Wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It was a hearty stock that certainly uh, took the chances coming out for sure. And what about yourself, David? Are you planning any summer holidays with the family? You know what? Uh, I don't know if they have this in Ontario or, or not, but in Alberta, we have these small little roadside attractions at these little towns. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a big thing in Ontario or not. Alberta, it's kind of a, it's kind of a gimmicky thing, but it's it's still fun. It's in it's in uh, definitely in good faith for sure, for uh, tourism and just to get people interested in going out to rural Alberta. Uh, we usually try to go to these little towns and just show the kids uh, what they've got. So. Like one place will have the largest uh, uh, pumpkins, Smoky Lake, Alberta. So it's not mm-hmm. real pumpkins, but it's like a, you know, like a replica. And mm-hmm. uh, so there's these massive pumpkins. Uh, there's another one that's got the largest egg, uh, Ukrainian egg in Vegreville, Alberta. Another yeah. one's the largest pierogi, uh, which I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys would love. And that's mm-hmm. owned uh, by Bonneville in a little town called Glendon, Alberta. So all these, there's all kinds of towns in Alberta that have this. And um, so we'll probably check out some of that, but we are going to go to BC. Uh, BC, beautiful British Columbia. It really is mm. true. So we're going to head to the Okanagan probably for uh, a couple weeks here in the summer. And uh, it's such a great time too, guys, not only for our own uh, rest and relaxation, but to to share it with the kids and, and have these uh, these memories. And I'm sure that's such an important part, especially for us dads, to make memories with our kids. And uh, and that's what you're going to remember. You know, you can spend a lot of money on your children, but uh, having vacations, the the ones we've taken in the past, we still recall them and talk about them and look at the pictures, and uh, they're just great memories, right? Yeah, absolutely. The Okanagan sounds beautiful. Doesn't it get really hot in the Okanagan? Oh yeah, it's, it can Especially get like, in August. Yeah, yeah, in August, yeah, like desert type climate, mm-hmm. isn't it? Lots of wine, lots of fruit. Another great thing to do, guys, too, is is to go to the Catholic churches and and see what the what their community is doing, what what their churches look like, and mm-hmm. and it's uh, especially for kids. I know when we traveled when I was young it always left a a real uh it was is a neat memory for me to to see the church uh universal and you see how people worship Jesus Christ in the Eucharist same here as it would be and we've been to Hawaii we've been to California uh all parts of Canada and it's it's pretty neat too and it's good for kids to see that too right yeah absolutely yeah, and it, and it's 
neat that you say that, David, because this young lady that's coming from Belgium, Eva, I asked her dad, you know, have, have her send a list of things that she'd like to see and do while she's here in Canada. And one of the things on her list was she wants to see our churches here. Hmm. And when I think of our little parish church and a lot of the, the little parish churches that were built in the 50s, 60s and 70s, I'm embarrassed to take her to those those buildings, right? When you compare it to the, the beautiful Baroque and Gothic and uh, Roman architecture that there is all throughout Europe, uh, even the smallest of churches put to shame some of our cathedrals here. Mm-hmm. That's cool right. that she wants to see that, though. When it, it is neat to go and see. And like David's saying, too, once you, you go to Mass around the world and you see how it is universal and it is the same, and even if you don't understand the language, you're able to follow along because you can follow the parts of the Mass. That's right. As well, as long as they're as long as they're being done properly. Yes. Uh, then there's that. <laughs> then yeah, then there's that. That people do that, and that's a, you know a full disclosure to you guys. I've never been to a traditional Latin mass in my life. A lot of people are surprised when I tell them that, but <laughs> uh, but it, you know I can I can understand how people would say you know wouldn't it be nice if we had one universal language, at least for the parts of the the liturgy where you know the priest is praying throughout the mass after the readings. Uh, that would be something interesting, wouldn't it, guys, if we just all had the same language? I know my dad, who immigrated from, at the time, it was called Czechoslovakia. Uh, mm-hmm. This is back in the, uh, I guess, in the late 40s, mid, mid to late 40s. He said that was the, the one thing that really uh, reassured him that he made the right decision is that he had the sacraments, he had the church. And when he came to, to Mass in Canada, it was all in Latin at the time, right? So he felt like he was at home. So when he had a hard week when he was working or you know, trying to figure out the, the lay of the land, literally in Canada. So that gave him a lot of solace and a lot of peace that he could come to the Catholic Church and he could, you know, he could re- respond the same way everybody else in the church was doing. Right, back home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, now, Dennis, have you been, ever been to a traditional Latin Mass? Mm-hmm. I've been to a traditional Latin Mass funeral. Okay. That's it. Yeah, and it was absolutely, it was really beautiful. But I, I know up in your area, Robert, up, up in the port, there was, there was, traditional latin mask for a our, while our former ma- right. our former pastor was very big into the traditional latin mass uh and so we had that once a week and you know it, it is a beautiful mass and the silence to allow for that prayer and to really enjoy your prayers and put your your heart on the altar put your heart on the paten next to the eucharist absolutely beautiful but in my own opinion i wouldn't want to necessarily go right back to the missile of 1962 or before right i think having those parts of the mass said in latin uh, or in greek so the the curie the gloria the sanctus and the agnus day so you have those guideposts no matter where you are i i think yes but things like the readings and the homily mm-hmm. uh I need to be in the vernacular to allow for that deeper understanding and that greater participation. You know, I wonder if even the act of consecration to have that said in Latin as well. Hmm. And again, if you were to have the Latin text beside the English text, and these are texts that we're also used to in our vernacular now, you're able to follow along. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's a a big part of, of, of that as well. As, right. And as you grow up too, I mean, you get used to it, right? It's one of those things. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like the gospel, the readings, the homily, whatever, you know, that should all be in the vernacular for sure, whatever the local language is. But uh, outside of that, I think it'd be neat to have just a, you know, maybe one one language for everybody. That would that would be cool. And then, of course, Latin is the universal language of the church. It just is what it is, right? So. Yeah. And again, like you said, when your father came over or when you're traveling to those places where you don't speak the vernacular, having those guideposts there, it it does help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think back to seven years ago now, we were in Portugal for close to a month. So we were went to three or four masses there. Uh, My Portuguese, I know enough to get myself into trouble. But between my limited Portuguese, my French, and doing the readings of the day in English before we went to Mass, I was able to follow along and know exactly where where we were. And again, there's that universality. So there we are in these tiny islands in the middle of the Atlantic, 
and mass is the same there as it is at the cathedral in downtown Toronto, as it would be at the cathedral in Edmonton, as it would be in these little mission churches, uh, you know, in the Alberta backcountry. Uh, it, it's so awesome, isn't it? I mean, it's I remember nice, telling a Protestant it, yeah. friend of mine that, and he he couldn't believe it. He's like, "What do you mean? This it's the same readings every day, like the same gospel, the same uh, first, second readings on weekends or on, on Sunday." I said, "Yeah, it's the exact same. It doesn't matter where you are." And he's like, "How how do they manage that?" Like he was more thinking of the logistics of that. <laughs> like, well, that's what we do. That's why they call us the Universal Church, right? So that is really cool. I I've, and and a lot of people are surprised. Even even some Catholics, believe it or not, don't even know that. So when you tell them that, it's uh, it, it hits home for them too. So, you know, when, it, when I was traveling back in Australia and stuff, it was it was almost the anchor that kept you. You know what I mean? You knew wherever you went to mass that everything was going to be the same, and every Sunday was going to be the same as it was back home. So it's it's a really nice thing, isn't it? Beautiful. And it's thanks to men like Saint Anthony Daniel, right. who got up and left. I mean, we complain about a twenty-five minute commute, Dennis and I. Mm-hmm. Right? These men left their homeland. They got on these rat-infested ships and not even know if they were going to make it to the other side of the Atlantic. And then they're in the, the back country and in the forest, and they didn't speak the language mm-hmm. of the indigenous people. And you can say that for here in Canada or across North America, South America, into Africa, mm-hmm. And, and into Asia, but and they certainly learned like the that. language. They learned the language very quickly, mm-hmm. didn't they? Mm-hmm. And I mean, who would say, yeah? What would you be thinking in sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth century, saying, yeah, I'll, I'll go there. I'll go, I'll go where there's nobody, no real Europeans, and I'll, I'll go with the people and stuff. I, I think they were selfless men, beautiful selfless men and women, hundred percent. Do that, and, and the yeah. great stories of them translating the Bible into uh, First Nations languages First Nations, too. Yeah. I don't even know where you'd begin with something like that. So clearly, you know, the Holy Spirit was behind that. Mind that for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, you know, we were at a point too, where in Canada, we had so many great vocations to the priesthood and religious life that we were sending a lot of priests to South America to help with mm. evangelizing, uh, you know, the, the locals in, in South America, which was great. I know my wife's uncle went down there for about six years. Mm. And uh, he said that was some of the greatest years of his life, like real, real evangelization and baptizing people, but also just uh, understanding their local culture and their society and, you know, what their struggles were and, you know, in, in some ways it was uh, a little more being like a like a survivalist there. Like there was, you know, probably probably not much different than Canada, only that uh, it was probably 100 degrees difference. Yeah. <laughs> extreme sure. heat versus extreme cold. But mm. we do have a great legacy of faith in Canada. We really do. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, on the other hand, on, on the flip side of that, we also have a bit of a dark legacy as well here in Canada with mm-hmm. the faith, um, with the residential schools. And it always stops me in my tracks, if you want, when I think about these men and and some women as well, uh, that in the name of the church did a lot of horrific things as well. And and this isn't the time or place to to go into all of that. And uh, Fulton Sheen, I think, puts it best in his Earthen Vessels, uh, and uh, a friend of both of our shows, Al Smith, would be able to to better uh, give this quote. But in his Earthen Vessels, where he talks about the priesthood, and he says, you know, those that are held to a much higher standard, such as our priests, when they do fall, the, the fall is all the greater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're coming to see that more and more in Canada today as the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission works. Uh, and the truth is getting out there and it's, I don't want to paint with no, because it's not, not all of them, but unfortunately for the faith and for the church, there were some people in the name of the church, in the name of Christ who did evil things. The only word you can use for it is evil. Mm -hmm. Right. And because of that, in some ways out of evil and God is amazing when he does this, where he takes something evil and a blessing comes from that. Uh, His holiness, Pope Francis is going to be coming to, to visit. Right. And, and David, you were uh, boasting a little bit off air before we got started that Edmonton, where you are, um, Pope Francis is going to be there in a couple of weeks. 
It's because we got the big stadium here, I guess. Maybe it's yeah. got a few more, a few thousand extra than Skydome. I don't know. What do they call it now? Rogers, Rogers, <laughs> Rogers Center. Center. Yeah, it's not not good enough for the World Cup of football, but it's good enough for yeah. Pope Francis, well, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think I take Pope Francis over the the football any day. Well, I have a feeling they're not going to be selling uh, refreshments and uh, drinks and souvenirs, maybe as much as they would at a World Cup, which would co- probably uh, create a pretty big. Uh, uh, traffic jam of people in the stadium but uh, no you know i think it's um i think the the prayer for all of us is that whatever these wounds are that that still exist with certain members of our first nations uh family and i think especially of our catholic brothers and sisters i mean of, of course of, of all people but especially them right it's no different than you know the, even the you know the, the sexual abuse crisis that we saw in the church sure. and, and uh mm-hmm. we're trying to weed uh this paso you need to get this out and it's in in a lot of ways it's been so good that the evil has been exposed so yeah my prayer and i i don't know i can't speak for you guys but that's what i'm hoping that there's some some closure I, i've i've said on the podcast several times that truth and reconciliation is a two-way street and we need to also pray that uh, those that um, that want to hear an apology and have, have heard an apology already from the church are ready to mm-hmm. forgive as well and it's no different than any of our relationships with our, our family or our wives, uh, our, our colleagues. Um, you know, when when forgiveness is something that that uh, that needs to happen, apologies and mercy, uh, we need to prepare or pr- pray that that people are prepared to to give that as well. So I'm hoping that uh, that this uh, this act of reconciliation of, of the Pope coming is going to heal some of those wounds, but I also want to remind people that uh, in the First Nations community, and I think this is to the chagrin of our secular world, it always tries to ape the universal church. You know, the universality of our Catholic church that has brought so many to Jesus Christ. We have so many great saints that are uh, members of our First Nations communities too. Many people, we're going to go there and we're going to see so many of them in heaven that belong to the church. Is that um, so many of these folks have been are part of our family and have been a part of our family for decades, and they bring such blessings to our family. And um, so uh, we need them in the church, and and we want them in the church, and we love them in the church. So I'm I'm excited because I um, I think there's certain people that are not Catholics and are not Christians and not people of goodwill that uh, this will never be enough for them. So we've got to as Catholics we've got to kind of sift through that a little bit, right? And I think I, I sense a lot of frustration in the Catholic Church towards those people. But we need to make sure that we have that divide, right? That there are, there's still two different camps here, right? But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm praying for this this peace and this reconciliation for forgiveness and that we can move on so we can evangelize the world the way that the Lord wants us to. So yeah, but how do you guys feel about this? What are your, what are your guys' hopes for this papal visit? No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, David. I, I think the fact that the Pope has apologized already when the First Nations groups did come to the Vatican, and then he says, you know what, even though my health's not the best, I'm going to make the effort on Canadian soil to offer that apology. Absolutely. And for some, like you say, it will never be enough. But I think for most First Nations people, people maybe who've suffered the abuse, and, and you know, you're going back about 150 years. And again, it's not, as Robert said, we can't paint... You know, that all the staff, all the religious, all the priests that work there with the same brush. There was a lot of, I believe there was a lot of good people who went in there with the best of intentions. And I think that's left out. But for those people who did those evil acts, those despicable acts, absolutely. Apology is certainly needed. And I think the Pope's going to offer that. And I think it will do much for the healing. Well, you know that. Like he's just, the Pope isn't coming to the Torontos and the Montreal. He is coming to you know, Northwest Canada, he's coming to admit where a lot of these residential schools were in fact, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there. Right. And let's not forget the Pope is not in the best of health as we're going to talk about 85 years old, but the fact that he says, I need to do this on Canadian soil, I think that's appreciated. And I think a lot of these first nation groups do appreciate the fact that he's making this really big effort on his part to come out here and to offer, to offer healing and Mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully a healing, the groups coming together as Catholics, like you say, David. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and for myself, I think one thing we need to realize and we need to remember is with this visit and after his whirlwind tour through Canada and he heads back to the Vatican, we don't just wash our hands and, and step away. That's really when the work's going to begin for the reconciliation. Right? Up until this point, we've been dealing with the truth part 
but the reconciliation is that moving forward with forgiveness and like you said david it's a two-way street <laughs> and and yes there are some elements out there in the world that will not be happy until the church itself is destroyed <laughs> which we know won't happen because christ promised that it, that that would not happen but the work is not done at this and for ourselves as catholics for ourselves as men of goodwill we have to discern what is our role going to be in all of that and in that moving forward and it might not be uh with a, a razzle dazzle um you know flash in the pan uh things that go on and it's going to be over the long haul mm -hmm. and you know part of what we need to do then is to teach the the following generations about this as well and how we can work together to move forward uh, as a nation of canada because as much as some would like to turn the the calendar back turn the, the hands of the clock back uh, that's not going to happen we can only move forward uh, what that work is and what needs to happen i don't have those answers i don't think any one of us ha has those answers but it's something that we need to discern together and we need to be able to listen to one another and you know just as we, we finish up that thing when we talk about the truth and reconciliation and that moving forward uh, one of the best things that we can do on both sides of the discussion is to actually read the documents is so often we form our opinions around headlines hmm. right? what's in the, the the news twitter feed or what are the headlines that you see scrolling across the the bottom of the the news channel but that's really just the optics that the media wants us to see but we need to really delve into into the documents and that was something i started with last year and they're not easy documents to read no government document is an easy document to read uh, but from that you can start to see the truth and you can start to see where is it that we can start to walk together forward all right and so this papal trip is the beginning of that. It's it's not the end. It's just the beginning. And it is big that Pope Francis is coming to visit us. He actually canceled his trip to Africa. right? And that was one of the, the reasons there's been the, these rumors swirling around that Pope Francis is going to retire. Uh, and one of the reasons behind that was that he had canceled his trip to Africa. And I read in an article, I think just earlier today, that one of the reasons why he canceled that trip is his doctors told him if you go to Africa, you won't be able to go to Canada. Right? They, mm -hmm. they wanted to give him some more treatment on there. But um, this has been big news out there as well, kind of swirling around these rumors that the, the Pope is going to retire. And you know it hits the mainstream media when uh, one of your 14-year-old students in the middle of a study period shouts out in the middle of class, the Pope's going to retire. <laughs> and you know all the other kids kind of look at her and kind of, okay and then they, they they move on um but his holiness quashed those rumors as well this past weekend he did a, an article he did a, an interview with reuters uh where he said and this is a direct quote you know it never entered my mind for the moment no for the moment no really so he he said no it's yeah not... for the moment he did say right yeah mm -hmm. i mean well, he is 85 he's one of the oldest popes right yeah. i don't think pope john paul ii lived to 85 and you know what is it it would be very difficult having two Pope Emeriti, right? It would be difficult having two living popes. But really, there comes a time when if, if the health isn't great and he's tired, I, I think in, in a way, Pope Emeritus Benedict stepping down, maybe at the right time was the thing. Like, if you can't carry, like, I, I don't want to say you got to take that job for life until you die. Like, there's something to be said if you've got all your faculties there and you say a, a younger man has to step in to do this job because it's very taxing. God bless him. I mean, he's 85 years old and he he doesn't look in the best of health and he's still going strong, but I wouldn't hold it against him, certainly, if he wanted to do that. I, I don't know. I just, I, I wouldn't. I think we'll it's tough too, but you know what? And I love Pope Benedict, still love him. I think he's a giant in the church. I think his prayers are uh, efficacious for all of us. You know, you think he's 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 already, he's probably in his mid-90s now, I think. He is, yeah. He's uh, ninety-three. Probably going through a lot of suffering, yeah. but he, you know, he's uh, he's in tune with what he needs to do at this point in his life, and that is to uh, 
to, you know, to enter that, um, the last stages of, of your journey on earth and, and offer his suffering up for, for the church. And I really do. I just think he's so, it's so valuable to have him. But having said that, I think, you know, just, um, resigning, uh, from the papacy set an interesting standard. Um, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's, it, it, it gets a little confusing, doesn't it? I mean, throughout our, our, I mean, I'm 40 years old and I've only seen one papal funeral, but mm. I've seen, you know, two conclaves, right? And I got three popes. It's just strange, right? <laughs> so yeah, to have another Pope Emeritus, it just seems, um, it seems a little different. Not to pick on our, our friends in the Anglican community because there's so many great people of goodwill that are certainly allies of, of Catholics. Um, but uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, how does that work? Because, you know, when you, you kind of, the area that you go in when you start to tread with popes retiring at a certain age or if they're in a certain condition mm-hmm. is all of a sudden it looks like, are they just, you know, is there a kind of terms of leadership and then there's a vote of some sort to, you know, replace this guy? You know, I think that's that's the danger. But I, I don't know how that works. Uh, Robert, do you guys know how that works? I have no clue. I thought there is a vote for a term for the Archbishop of Canterbury. I don't know if it's a six or a ten year vote, right. a ten year Justin term. Justin Welby, then, I believe, is the, right. the gentleman's name now, the right? And they had yeah. uh, another uh, gentleman before that, but is it Rowan? Yeah, and, and not to not to sound to go down the road of being super critical of of Anglicans, but it does seem like there's a lot of division in the church mm-hmm. there, and it seems like they go in different directions depending on who the Archbishop of Canterbury is. Right, right, yeah. and and, and then the, who's the head of the Anglican Church? It is kind of the Queen, isn't it? So I mean, she's not resi- well, like she's what ninety three, ninety four, and she's or is she ninety six? She's still, I don't want to say going strong, but she's still active. She's still and we've benefited a great deal in the Catholic Church because of that. I mean, you think of Pope Benedict uh, welcoming that the Anglican ordinariate, right? There was that's right. That was probably already what twelve years ago, and yeah. I've attended uh, some of their uh, uh, mass services here at Edmonton. There's a community, and it's outstanding just a tremendous and beautiful liturgy uh also you know it seems like when we have uh converts to the faith from the clergy it seems like it's always from the anglicans isn't it like mm-hmm. we seem to seem to have several uh gentlemen here in the last couple of years that have converted but anyways not to go too far down that rabbit hole but just right. saying that that do you guys see kind of what i mean with yeah, that? yeah no i understood exactly what you're of, saying there it's yeah. it's almost do we risk taking on a bit of a corporate culture Right. When we start putting those stipulations. And that's how the secular world looks at the church right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it kind of reinforces that secularism, right? And how they look at the church as a, as yeah, a kind of a corporation with the CEO versus a, uh, you know, a divine institution, organization. You know, that, that's one of the conundrums of the church is that it is a divine institution, but it's run by humans. Mm-hmm. And humans always have had, since day one, since the Garden of Eden, humans have had a habit of bunging up the divine and taking what's good and turning it into evil. And uh, the Garden of Eden or the church uh, or you know the, the missionary work of the church, we, we've, as we've said already in this, this episode, we managed to take what is good and somehow turn it into something that's bad. But I think that is, uh, you know, so, it is a conundrum. It is that that corporate culture where the world looks at the church. I think then you take out the the room of the the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but having said that, is there something in place where if if a if a the Pope was to you know lose his faculties or somehow you know develop some sort of onset of dementia, would there be something in place where they would be able to step in or there would be an election of a new Pope or what? I know this has never really happened, but is there something in place for that to take place or not? I'm That's sure there is. Thinking yeah. from a diocesan level, usually if the archbishop or the bishop is away, I think it's is it the chancellor that usually steps in and kind of acts on his behalf. Uh, I know that yeah. that's the case if if the bishop is traveling or is away from the diocese, you have to have someone there all the time, right? Right. Um, to to take care of the spiritual needs of the people. But yeah, that's a good question. That's that is. A really I think that's question. something we'd have to take a, a good long hard look at the end of the papacy of mm-hmm. Saint John Paul II, because right. in a lot of ways, humanly speaking, he good was point. incapacitated, but he still held that office of the pope. 
Right? But you have to know that there were others there. And I don't want to say guiding him or making decisions on, on his behalf, but mm -hmm. the the mechanism of the papacy was still moving along, even though he wasn't I, verbal anymore. Right. But Robert, I'm thinking now that's that's almost coming on 20 years. I'm thinking now in the instant media hits where the you know the the health of the pope would be recognized in me, like back in the day you could kind of hide a few things maybe i'm just wondering now if it, if if something was to happen where there you know the media would be all over it what would you know what would we do as catholics what would the cardinals do in that would they i guess you couldn't hold a conclave certainly without the death uh, of a pope or the resignation of a pope but well that, that's uh, your your homework and reading for while you're in anguilla there sir that's right yeah, yeah. Or on the beach <laughs> I would say that the Pope is, is incapacitated in some way. I mean, the church still runs, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's still progressing ahead and keeps, keeps rolling. Right. It's uh it's the office of the Pope. It's the office of Peter. Right. And, and if that, uh, if that Pope for some reason can't do it for a few days or a few weeks or months, I mean, the church still continues. It's the deposit of faith that the Pope's and That's the Cardinals right. and the Everything bishops are still called to pass along to us. Right. So, Still, um, we'll still just a quick little aside before we do discuss maybe next popes is St. Peter and St. Paul got to give them their own saint day. Why, why is it every single time I look at that, I'm thinking, you know, lesser saints have got their own saint day. Why do we put those two together? Gentlemen, can you speak to that quickly? They're or, so humble, probably. Yeah, yeah, I guess. One. And they disagree I know, with just, each other. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. who's who's the greater, you know? early church leader i don't know but, but that being seems... said you've got the feast of the conversion of paul you've got uh, the chair of peter peter sure, and James, yeah right so they they all they, they both have uh different multiple kind of... days them, themselves yeah. so uh but i think that we're, we're asking questions now that a generation ago weren't even a question because right. with modern medicine and exactly. the longevity that that is there for us as humans Right, right. The longevity. Good point. They said 85-year-old Pope is one of the longest-serving popes at 85 years of age, St. Fra uh, Francis right now. Well, he's not St. Francis yet. No, no, so no he's not. Be, be, be careful if <laughs> you, that you're taking it. on the role of the magisterium there. Uh, you know, we, we know you like referring to yourself as St. Dennis, but we all know how he lost his head there, too. St. Right? Denis. Oh. Saint Denis. Oh. Saint Speaking Denis. of, you did have an article about the next pope, did you not? Yeah. And so whenever these rumors roll around about the retirement of the Pope or when, or when they're in ill health, then we know that a, a conclave is imminent. Uh, not only is there rumors about the Pope himself, but there's rumors about who's going to fill uh, his red shoes. Hmm. Right. Uh, and the biggest question right now, because we've seen the move away from Italy, like St. John Paul II was the first non-Italian Pope in what? 500 years, give or take. Uh, and then now you've seen uh, you know, a Pole, a German. Francis was the first Pope, that was, was the first non-European Pope. That's right. And no no red shoes, just for clarification, right? Correct? He, yeah, he, did he, did, he yeah. didn't take the red shoes. Okay, just want to make that clear. Yeah. yeah. So the what's out there now is kind of whereabouts from the world and again coming back to what david was saying a, a few minutes ago where the world likes to put their perspective on the church and with the whole uh universality of the church and the, the multiculturalism within the church you know they're like well there needs to be a, a pope that's coming from again outside of europe yeah, and do they go back looking... to an Italian pope, or do you keep continue with the church, you know, pope from around the world, which I think is is great. I think maybe a, a developing country like a Southeast Asia, Africa. What do you yeah, think? I, I don't, know. David. What are your thoughts on this? You know what I I always say too, just with you know, when we had when we lost Saint John Paul II, I did feel like there was this this massive void of emptiness, you know, and kind of like this fear of uncertainty. You're just like, now what, you know? Especially when that was the only hope I had, you know, until mm -hmm. I was in my mid twenties, right? So you didn't well, really know you, what you, was going to happen next. But you, um, just 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 as you're getting started on that, David, you just you mm -hmm. need to understand that Dennis and I weren't exactly cognizant of the world around us either when St. John Paul II was elected in 78, mm -hmm. right? Uh, some of us haven't even hit double though, digits right? yet, so. Yeah, think, but think we, of that. we, I, had, I do uh, remember as a kid. 30 days, right? And that's we've right. had three popes in 40 years. Right, yeah, <laughs> that's right. 
So you were saying that you felt that there was this void at the end of uh, St. John Paul II's reign as the... Yeah, and uh, you know you could kind of see that the you know the the end of of uh, Pope John Paul's earthly life was coming soon, but you didn't want to believe it necessarily, right? And I do think there's something to be said for a pope that's in office and and that's there, you know, until he passes away, you know. But uh, I don't know, like you know, there's there's all the speculation, but it does seem like it's coming again from that secular perspective, right, guys? It always seems to be coming from that, like you know, what's next? You know, I'm sure there's. So if you go on the online, there's probably some casinos and online betting yeah. that you'll have all these odds. Like, really, is that what we're doing with the post? But from a, a, a secular worldview, people are looking more just to either have a glamorous story and um, and just pocketing some money out of this, right? But um, I I don't think that it's really our job to be speculating too much. I mean, why why waste any time when we need to be working out our own? salvation with fear and trembling you know like it's uh it's a difficult journey that we're on right now and we need each other and and we need the the office of saint peter the pope to to be there with us and praying with us and us praying for him as well um it just seems like we we would waste a lot of energy just trying to figure okay well you know because all of a sudden our own favorites would come into into play okay well we like the perspective of this cardinal and that cardinal but we don't really care for this guy over here he's saying some some real odd things. And we, of course we're seeing that too, but um, we still have to trust the process, which is a divine process of the Holy spirit. Yeah. We have to believe and, that, that in the conclave, when those doors close, that the Holy spirit is present, right? We, we just really have to, and all we can do is pray, right? What else, what else do we do guys? And David, you're absolutely right. I think the Holy spirit chooses the right Pope for the right time. And it's, and it's happened throughout the centuries. And, and we're going to see that again in, in time, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think we've seen that just in the the last two of the last three popes were kind of unexpected. And again, we keep looking at the church, a divine institution, but we look at it with human eyes and we, we want to see it run almost as a, a corporation, as a multinational, when really it can't. And we need to, to, like both of you have said, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I know with both when St. John Paul II was elected, when they announced, you know, and everybody in St. Peter's Square is looking at each other like, who is this guy? Like They, they had no clue who he was. Like, no, he, he wasn't one of the front runners. The fact that he was a non-Italian and I blew everyone out of the water. But look at all of the good he did mm-hmm. over the course of his pontificate. And then again, more recently, you know, how many people had heard of Jorge Bergoglio? before he was elected as supreme pontiff outside of you know vatican insiders i'd say next to nobody Mm -hmm. right coming back to the notion of the 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 bookies if somebody put money on jorge bergoglio they must have uh must have gotten some good reward back on that right for sure and i think when we come into the the next conclave and yeah we had look at a, a list of you know what they call the papabili the the men that are seen as the the forerunners to to be pope and at the top of the list is uh, cardinal mark willette of canada yeah but i think that that was certainly more so with in the last i think he's he was more the older now yeah 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 i think he said he got the second number of votes i thought we thought that votes thing was was supposed to be secret that's what i thought i was just gonna say that too does how we always hear these things after it's like I think the article said that. Supposed to be secret? Yeah, how did that get out? <laughs> oh, there's ways that things get yeah. out. No, right. You so know. yeah, anybody that age, I don't think is probably going to. But I mean, but I, I'm just saying that a... if we were to look at this list, I mean, there's a name on this list, and Dennis, you know, I, I'd be so happy to see this name come up. You know, Cardinal Robert Seurat. But again, mm-hmm. his his age and his conservatism, more than likely not. But I would not be shocked that of these 10 names that when we do get to the next conclave it's not one of them it's not one of them yeah yeah, yeah. that it makes that sense that there's the there's sort of um you know the holy spirit inspires people to to look at the the body of work of certain cardinals too i think cardinal Wallet was he not the perfect for the congregation of faith it was uh cardinal ratzinger's old position was he not or am i mistaken he's in charge of he was at one time maybe at one time yes that's right like during while pope benedict was right right 
and now he's he's he in charge now? of the bishops and the the, the 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 congregation that's in charge of naming bishops yeah so for example i mean now. it's a it's a big office right and sometimes you see that even in uh hey going back to the uh the secular authorities and the governments of our world but some people that might have been the deputy prime minister in canada or or held some sort of um, a high-ranking cabinet position. Right. It's uh, you know there's certain levels of responsibility for everyone. You know maybe the 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 one that's that deals with finance or or um, uh, agriculture might be a higher premium and maybe some other positions. Right. So I mean when you think of it from the church's perspective, I'm sure that uh, maybe that plays into people it look at that too bit, a little eh? bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I always remember watching a documentary on the conclave, and they were interviewing uh, Cardinal Barbarin out of Lyon, and he was. They were asking how, what is the thought process that goes into electing a pope, and he says, "Well, we get locked in there, and we chat amongst one another, and you talk, and you get to know people, and you pray." And then you write a name on the ballot. And then as they're reading them out, you hear these names and there's maybe a name that, oh, I hadn't thought about this person. Hmm. So then you pray some more and you talk some more and you pray some more. And it says you go through that process uh, of prayer and getting to know each other and getting to, to know the different men whose names come up. And in a lot of ways, it is through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that brings this about. And it's, yes, there is, I'm sure, some political power play that goes on behind the scenes. But he says a lot of the, the time, the discernment process is done through prayer. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I would Which say I think the, is right. Yeah. And I would say the political power play never happens from the Pope who's chosen. It's probably from others who want to see. That's I would right. never say that these gentlemen who've been chosen really are, you know, vying for the position. I, I would like to think that they never would do that i just just looking at the men of francis and and john paul ii and benedict that doesn't seem like you're kind of you know wanting that why would you like, it's a daunting a, task too oh, right dennis i mean boy, when boy. they ask because they do ask that's the, right the, the you people, have to accept do you not that's right. or whoever is is chosen right and they ask right. will you accept this i mean yeah, and, and that room where they have the white vestments waiting. So they have three sizes of white vestments waiting mm -hmm. after the election. In that room where they put on the white vestments for the first time is called the Room of Tears. Mm -hmm. Because these right. men are brought to tears by the weight of office that they've mm -hmm. been called to. Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, Dennis, it's just that notion of, of humility. They're not, they're not in it for the paycheck. Yeah. Right? And... Yeah, who... Well, I think wasn't Francis expecting to go back to Buenos Aires? Or, you know, I think he had a return ticket or something. Like, it's yeah, he needed so to get a refund on his ticket. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, and 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 maybe you say, yeah, like I'm just thinking for them, it's it's such a, you know, the position itself. But they must think to themselves, ah, this is so bigger than me, and it's I massive have to responsibility. Accept, right? Yeah, massive yeah. responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's that other expression there too. You know the. The man who goes into the conclave as Pope leaves a cardinal. Leaves, leaves as cardinal. Yeah, I like right. that. Yeah. David, this has been wild. I'm looking. I'm watching the the, the clock go. We, we, we have, have enough for again, like two, two, two or yes. two or three. Uh, oh my. Two or three episodes. Uh, thank you for throwing this idea out, David. Yeah. I, 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 where, I'm where, not where did done the idea my beer even come yet, from? So I don't know. I Aren't guess, you done? I should get a smaller can, maybe. <laughs> That's one you of the tall ones. <laughs> I, I, I'm just about at the See, bottom. There, there you go. So maybe somebody, good timing. somebody drank mine. On I still think we should do a Facebook thing. live someday. I know. Yeah, yeah let's do a Facebook live. Yeah. My wife has Facebook. Can I go on to her Facebook? Yeah, why not? I don't, okay. I don't, I don't know how that would work, but. Um, oh, we figured out. That's all. Yeah, good. we have to do we live figured this time. out. So. I have, as Robert says, I've got to get out of my comfort zone, which is totally well, this is cool. Guys, true. honestly, this I've never great. done. I had uh, two other guys before. We had uh, you guys were probably familiar with Rome Boys. So we first had, the, but they have one camera, and there's the three guys kind of sitting around a round table, literally. But uh, this is really cool. I like it. It was, uh, and it did go fast. My goodness gracious! Yeah, it was that's flying. Good, yeah, good company. We run and, the whole uh, Good conversation. Here. It always goes fast. So. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank, thanks be to God. Thanks, David. Well, it's so good to have Dennis and Robert on Team Jesus, uh, laboring in the vineyard of the Lord with us on our journey to heaven. Again, their podcast is called the Pints and Pews Podcast. It's one of my favorites. 
So make sure you like, subscribe, and drop a review. And uh, continue to pray for Robert and Dennis and their vocation too as teachers in Catholic schools here in in, uh, in Ontario. And uh, we pray for all Catholic teachers that they continue to grow closer to Jesus Christ and to be uh, a great example, not only to their families and their community, but also to young people. Thanks for listening to our podcast here, the Catholic Canuck Podcast. What a blessing. I love hearing from you. Drop me a line anytime. Love having our conversations and meeting people from all over the world. It is so cool. And uh, remember, have a great summer. Don't forget we need to evangelize. This is a world that uh, desperately needs the cross of Jesus Christ right now. And it doesn't matter if you're in Canada, the United States. We see the confusion. We see the sins. We see the vice instead of the virtue. We need to live life in a state of grace. And for Catholics, you know what that means. We've got to lead a sacramental life, walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ. That's how we can make a difference and leave a legacy of faith to our families and our communities. That's what we are here for. And uh, the Holy Spirit's going to help us with that. But we've got to live life in a state of grace. And that means going to confession at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.